0: You may be seated. We have a very, very simple lesson today, but a very profound lesson today. And our lesson title simply today is Faithful to God. And it sounds simplistic in its infancy, but in reality Really, that's what it's our service to God and our life for God is really all about. It's about being faithful, about being consistent in serving and worshiping God. Uh, The scripture says in Jude 1 and 3, Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it is needful for me to write unto you and exhort you That you should be, you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Uh, Probably an overlay of the entire lesson today uh, I would throw out as a cover is that there are some folks that may never preach at a general conference may never sing a song that uh, goes viral and, and reaches the world, and may never uh, win a beauty contest, uh, may never be couple of the year, and a lot of other accolades that sometimes in our society we put a lot of emphasis on. But if you could be found faithful, there is no greater reward than simplicity or in the simple truth of being faithful. Uh, the key person of interest today in this lesson is found in the book of Genesis, fifth chapter in the 21st verse, starting there. The scripture speaks about Enoch. It says, Enoch lived sixty and five years and beget Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Hebrews looks back on that tremendous life that was lived and says it this way in Hebrews uh, 11 and 5. It says, by faith, everybody say "by by faith. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony and everybody say it with me. That he pleased God. Wow. What a testimony. And Jude says it this way. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you. It's in Jude, the first chapter, third and fourth verses. When I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It is needful for me to write unto you and exhort you. That you should earnestly contend for the faith. That was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old old ordained to this condemnation. They're ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The story of Enoch, the man who lived 365 years, a long time Uh, and in that long time of his life we don't have any record of him doing anything that we would call outstanding. There's no record, He he wasn't lifted up because he was the prophet in his era. Not necessarily did he sit with the king and break bread with the king and queen in the big house. It was, he wasn't, there wasn't anything, if you, if you research the entire uh, historical events about Enoch, about all you find about him is he had a long life, had a lot of kids, and he pleased God. He was faithful. What a legacy it it is about a man that uh, didn't get there because he was the most handsome brute in the county. He didn't get there because he was wealthy and made large donations to the church. He didn't invent any cure for some horrific disease. Uh, We don't know anything about him other than he was faithful. And that's a long life to live, to continue to have the record that through all of his life that the Bible says he walked with God and he walked with God in such a beautiful way that God chose to take him before death. And he just was here one day and was gone the next. And God said, it's time to be with me. Now, I have have often kind of uh, conflicted with folks that just say, well, you know, when someone was killed in an automobile accident or uh, a bad disease got them or whatever, and somebody makes the analogy and says, well, you know, God wanted them worse than we did, so God took them, or I don't understand why God took them so early and all this. Well, I don't believe uh, in normal circumstances that God's going around taking people. Uh, time and chance happeneth to all men and if God healed everybody that was ever sick, nobody would ever die and everybody would just live forever. And so God doesn't make the choice that he's okay, well your days are numbered and on this particular day you're going to die or you're going to get in a tragic death or you're going to die of some disease or whatever. Uh, To the good and the bad people of the world, God is not throwing diseases on people. He is not Uh, causing people to get in a bad accident or whatever, time and chance happeneth to all men. And if you want to increase your chances, well, you know, try to take a a post at 30 mile an hour corner, and you try to take it at 70 miles an hour, and you may speed up your final day. Uh, And it wasn't that God made you do it. It was, uh, so sometimes there's... uh, disease happens, sometimes circumstances come into our life that uh, may have been hereditary Uh, it may have been, you may have been totally innocent when a drunk goes to an intersection and wipes out somebody none of this is programmed by God, sin came into the world and because of sin, death came into the world and disease came into the world and tragedy came into the world and uh it's like someone saying, Well, I, I just don't know whether I want to serve a God that sends people to hell to burn forever and forever. And I've always answered that saying he won't. God did not create hell for you. He died on the cross at Calvary, uh, he gave his life, he shed his blood for the remission of your sins that you could be saved. And if you die and go to hell, you're gonna go there trampling over the blood of Jesus Christ, his outstretched arms that says, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And you're not going to go there because he sent you there. You're going to go there because you ignored his love and mercy and his care. And you went there by your own choice. Uh, but in this particular instant, God did take somebody. He took Enoch. He had walked with God. And the Bible says, and God took him. And. Uh, in, in that sense, again, I want to come back to the to the beautiful part of the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. The beautiful part of the story that simply says uh, that he was found to be faithful. He walked with God, and he pleased God. <clears throat> we are very concerned about the accolades of those around us. Uh, And I think we ought to care. We ought to value our reputation. We ought to care what people think. But above what people think about you, and what I think about you, and what your friends think about you, or what your enemies think about you, our number one concern ought to be, what does God think about who I am? And if you can, at the summation of your days, have it said, maybe... The list of accolades may not have been very long, but if it could be said she was faithful, he was faithful to God, and he served God through all of his days, Uh, then you will have accomplished one of the greatest things that could ever be done. Our world emphasizes flashiness. Western culture celebrates talent. Usually, with little or no regard for character. If you are a tremendous basketball player you can be vile, you can be immoral, you can be hateful, you can be mean-spirited, you can be arrogant, you can be selfish, you can have all kinds of character flaws but if you have the ability to weave through the traffic on a basketball court and slam dunk the ball and if you can make 30, 40, or 50 points in a game your character doesn't matter. Uh, it's been shown over and over again. If, if you ch- can cheat and, and you can hit a ball uh, you know, over the fence over and over again, it doesn't matter if you've done it by taking steroids or doing whatever and, and maybe you get cut from one team, uh, somebody else will pick you up because you have great ability. You can be a football player and as many of them have done, they get arrested for drugs and domestic violence and they beat up their girlfriends and they're the uh, baby daddy of uh, kids strung around all over the place. And you can have absolutely no character, but if if you can run fast, if you can catch a ball that nobody else can catch, if you can perform, uh, you know, if you're big and burly and you have a killer instinct and you can be on the line on the football team and you can block and protect the quarterback. Character doesn't matter. And we have a society that basically emphasizes talent over character. But around the kingdom of God, it should not be that way. There are heroes around the kingdom of God, and there are sometimes that someone can come through, and, and they may be able to... Uh, as the Bible says, call fire down out of heaven, they may be able to uh, pray for the sick and they be healed, they may, may be able to preach and, in such a way that they're, wow, Oh, what a great message that was today. But if when they leave the pulpit and when they uh, step off the platform and when the crowds have all gone their way, if they don't have character and if they're not faithful to God, Then all of the talent, all the showiness, all the attributes that catch the eye really mean very, very little. Uh, There has been men, and probably most of you today, probably would be a very select few of you that probably have a few years on you. We remember a man called... uh, Now, I blanked out his first name. His last name was Allen. Uh, he was, a before the age of tele he was a tent revivalist. And everywhere he went, he had drew great crowds, prayed for A.A. A. Allen. Uh, he prayed for people, and people got healed, and there was, there was just uh, phenomenal things happened. But toward the end of his life, it, was, it has been uh, noted and uh, not just stories, but it was to the place that what, before he would go out in his crusades toward the end, they said most of the time when he went out, he was drunk. He was behind stage drinking alcohol and, and, uh, and he would go out and uh, there was some phenomenal things because of the faith that people had there were phenomenal things that were happening, but the end of his days was clouded by a lack of character. And the list can go on and on and on of those that, you know, may have, may have been able to perform well. And there are those people in my life that I have known that, that have been heroes to me. And they have been people of a gigantic uh, stature. Not physically, but people that were great preachers or or great orators or whatever. But somewhere along the way, a flaw in character shows up. And their lives are devastated because they didn't have the character to go along with their talent. But God loves faithfulness. And I want, to, I want to encourage somebody today that feels like, well, I'm not really very important. I'm not on the front line, on the, on the praise team. I don't play an instrument. Uh, when pastor's out of town, he don't, he don't ask me to be the guest speaker. Uh, I really don't have a whole lot to do. And sometimes I just slip in and slip out. And a lot of times people don't even shake my hand. They don't hardly even know that I exist. But I'm here to tell somebody today That if you'll stay faithful to God, God knows who you are. He knows your name. Uh, He loves you and he will honor you because you are faithful. Uh, It's hard hard to uh, get on a subject like this and not mention some of the faithful ones that have been a part of this church through the years. And in the 48 years, uh, actually 48 years last month that I have been Here in Tulare, uh, we've seen some faithful, faithful folks that have come and given their life to the cause of God, the Kingdom of God. I told you the other day, I just uh, spoke at the graveside of of Ophelia Alvedris, that for many, many years was a Sunday school teacher here. And all the way back in the 70s, when she started being a part of then First Pentecostal Church, now Abundant Life Center, that she was just there. Uh, I don't think she ever was on the platform, and if it was, it would have been during the promotion for Sunday school, and that would have been many, many years ago, but I don't know if she was ever on the platform. Her, her last number of years, she sat back over in the corner over here in a wheelchair, and nobody acclaimed her. She, she dropped off at church and was picked back up by her son, usually before church was even over. Uh, she would be wheeled out, and her son would be here to pick her up. Uh, but she was, uh, of anybody that I could say about, that I have had a part of, uh, she was faithful, And at the closing of her day, you know, we were at the graveside and there was probably uh, 30 people there. It wasn't a big crowd. Uh, a couple of her sons, a couple of her sons didn't even, weren't even there. And uh, a few relatives distant and close were there. And just a couple other folks from the church were there, and there was no accolades, there was no pomp, there was no flashiness. There was, uh, they had to postpone the funeral at one point because they didn't have enough money uh, to even to have the funeral service at that point. And our church here helped to raise some funds to get enough funds to give her a proper burial. And n- nothing, nothing, no accolades, nothing great. It happened. But like Enoch, it could be said that she was faithful. Through all of her years, she was faithful. Uh, And it's hard for me not to think of others that have gone on in this church. And I could just throw a few names out there, and I may miss some. But uh, names that a lot of you would never know. Uh, Sister Leek will know, and uh, Archie Sparks will remember her. But Sister Benton. It was here all the way back in the 70s, and God bless her heart. She was such a sweetheart, an elderly lady, that oftentimes she would invite us, and she could cook. She'd invite Sister Abbott and I and her family to her home, and, and she was a, a faithful lady and could cook. And one of her desires, and when we were in a little Quonset hut building over on 8th Street, uh, was for us to, uh, she wanted to be a part of getting into a new church. Uh, And a new church building. She didn't live to see that day. But in her day she was faithful. The list could go on and like I said I will not remember them all. But another one that comes to my mind is Brother Charlie Davis. And we here we use Charlie Davis as a a Charlie Davis award. That usually we give out an accolade to someone every year that exemplifies his kind of spirit. Charlie Davis was a faithful friend. And during... When I first came to Tulare as a, as a young pastor, he used to come like once a week. He would come and wash my car, make sure my car was all cleaned up. And, and it got to the point that where anything that I ever needed done, whether it was taking care of my dogs or fixing something or I was building something and I needed, needed a helping hand, uh, he was always ready right there, was ready to do it. And even his dying day, He was out at the farm show before the farm show even started. No accolades. Nobody was even there to help him. But he was on the roof on our little uh, food booth building, and he was putting a new little roll roof on the top of that building. And at uh, somewhere around closing time, uh, security was ready to close up the grounds, and they come by, and his car is sitting there, and they look for him, and they found him on the roof. He had died. Uh, They're working for God. Uh, that's the way he lived his life, and that's the way he went. Uh, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't ever a preacher. He never did do those things, but he was faithful. He was loyal. He was faithful. The list could go on and on. I, uh, Brother Archie Sparks' dad and mom were faithful folks that were part of this church when I came here. and uh, Elder Sparks was a very unique man. Uh, but he was a part of this church and uh, I I look back and I always remember brother Archie I remember the year he died because one of his desires was to see us get into this building and uh, brother Donald Sparks passed away uh, the year which would be nineteen ninety-six the first year we got in this building brother Donald Sparks who was an assistant he was a faithful man and had served God in this church for many, many years, and then his wife, Sister Sparks, uh, passed away just a few years ago, uh, way up in age, but quiet, non-assuming, but just faithful, just faithful, just always there, sweetheart, worked on a physical job way up into her uh, last years. She worked at a, uh, as a cashier, just a faithful lady the house of God Uh, brother and sister Leek brother Leek passed away a few years ago and you couldn't ask for a greater example of faithfulness a man that served God through the years in this church and and, uh, was a faithful supporter and lover of people but he was also a pastor's friend and and I can still remember so many times him come to me and every service uh, it was like he had to come and speak to me before he left and he would find me and uh, he was a man of average height but he would reach up and get his hand around the back of my neck and pull me down and give me a hug and usually have a word of compliment or praise or thanks about the word of God and about what had happened and his prayers would ring in my ears many times that would draw me to prayer, faithful man of God. Uh There are others without a doubt, Sister Pauline Sanders, which uh, at her passing, the thought about her was, I thought about uh, Mayor Giuliani. Uh, And he was a mayor of New York during some very troubled times and he became known as America's mayor. And I remember at Pauline Sanders passing that uh, I used that analogy that Pauline Sanders liked Mayor Jul- Juliana, which is no longer a mayor and hadn't been for many, many years, but is still called mayor because he exemplified a great mayor and was a blessing. And I said Pauline Sander was America's Sunday school teacher because she was exemplified that and for years and years and years and years. And some of the older saints of God here can, that have been around for a long time can remember back when she was their Sunday school teacher.
1: What a faithful
0: one, and then examples that are right here among us even today. Uh, you can't. This is really what triggered my first thoughts about some of our elders. Was sitting right here among us is 97, almost 98. Are you 98 yet? 98 year old Sister Leek, as was here. I stayed in her home. I stayed in her home in 1972 when I first came to Tulare. They opened their home and Sister Abbott and I and our, our year and a half old daughter spent two weekends with them uh, right before I was elected to be pastor of that church and that day and I stayed at the Leek's home. and uh, They've have, they have always been faithful, faithful people. Another lady that passed not too long ago that uh, only a very, very few in this church would remember and that's Sister Mason. She was a faithful lady in this church, and I I remember her during those young years as a pastor because she not only was faithful, she was a lover of a pastor, which was myself and my wife, which was much younger than she was, but she also loved my kids. And her faithfulness before that, and she, her last few years were not spent here. Uh, Her and her husband ended up, they were in the Goshen church for many years. Uh, from many years ago. They've been over there. But when they were here, Sister Mason was a faithful, sweet lady that loved God, loved the kingdom of God, and was a pastor's friend, a faithful person. I'm talking to you today about uh, there's a point in time when our final uh, breath is going to be drawn and what is going to be said concerning us. We can say, oh, well, they climb mountains and they... They flew jet airplanes, and they did great, great, great things. But all the things that you might have accomplished, all the bucket lists you had of the places you wanted to go and the things you want to do will mean nothing in that day. But if if it can be said about you, he or she was faithful. They walked with God. And at the end of their life, God would say, because they pleased God. Wow. Just a few simple words, but when, you can, when God says they pleased God, what an accolade that is at that time. When you stand before God and you can say, uh, you know, he broke this record or she broke this record or she won this contest or they had this kind of great education and they had all kinds of letters after their name, PhD and doctorate and Uh, All those things could be fancy and sound good. But if God would say he was faithful, she was faithful, what an accolade that is. The, the, The Bible doesn't really tell us a whole lot about Enoch's life. He was not mentioned in the Old Testament. There was nothing mentioned about accolades of him. When Jude spoke of the readers of the epistle, uh, he just simply warned that there's going to be false teachers that come. And he hearkened to speak of Enoch, who was an example of how to confront God, ungodliness. What is the best way you can say, well, he confronted ungodliness and he put his finger in their face and said, i rebuke you, you devils. But the best way to confront ungodliness is to be faithful, to be godly. And Enoch, there was no uh, fancy stories about great things that he did, but he walked with God, even to the point that someone would point back to him and say, as Enoch walked with God and was faithful, let us earnestly contend for the faith that was one time delivered to the saints. What a a place to be found. It's not that he broke a record in how many balls he could throw through the hoop, how many pigskins he could carry across the line, or how many balls he could hit out of the park. But his accolades to him is if you want to example yourself about someone being faithful, Enoch was faithful, and he walked with God, and God took him. Uh, We have... uh, The scripture that talks about his faithfulness uh, and God's word and God's plan uh, puts us in a situation I want to read something here that says, Jesus himself described the time of his return in similar language when he told the parable of the sheep and the goats in the book of Matthew 25. He spoke of a day when the Son of Man will come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him. Jesus explained that He would sit on the throne of judgment proclaiming rewards to those who had been faithful and pronouncing eternal judgment on those who had not been faithful. What a story. Enoch lived so many years before Jesus even walked on the earth. But his Old Testament patriarch, this man, clearly attuned to the tenor of the end times. Like Paul, he understood the preaching of Christ's return is welcome news to those who believe and have faithfully walked with God. Uh, The Bible says he contended, contended for the faith. Uh, we live in a, a time in an era when a lot of people are losing their faith. And I, I was struggling here just a moment ago because I used it in a highlighter and I can't read it. I was thought about getting it up here, but now my mind goes full circle and comes back and I'm reminded of what I wrote. Uh, and the Bible speaks here of the many, many years that Enoch walk with God. Uh, sometimes when people become disillusioned, and this is the part that I wrote here that I had slipped my mind and I couldn't, can't really read. I should have wrote it with a pen. But sometimes people get disillusioned and they start losing their faith and then all of a sudden, well, I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. And I don't believe there's anything wrong with this. And I don't believe you have to do that. And I don't believe you have to do this. And I don't, I don't believe there's anything wrong with it. And, you know, you've designated the problem in the first three words of that. What was it? I don't believe. I don't believe. You've already, you've self-identified your problem. I don't believe. And what happens when your faith gets weak and then all of a sudden you start allowing things in your life and your attitude is, well, I don't believe there's anything wrong with this. And I don't believe that's all that bad. And I don't believe you have to follow these rules and these regulations. And I don't believe. You've already said it because the simple faith in God and simple faithfulness isn't looking for the easy way out. It's not looking to see how close I can live to the precipice. It's simply when you're really faithful to God, you're saying, God, how can I best example a child of God? How can I best get close to you? It's kind of like I, I mentioned last week about the little boy asking his uh, dad about how big that airplane was. And he looked, his dad said, well, look at it. And he said, it's just a little speck in the sky. It's way off there in the distance. His dad took him later to the airport when one of those big 747 jets landed. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and finally it touches down and it goes in the runway and turns around and comes back and comes right up by. And all of a sudden, the little boy's eyes are bugging out of his head. And and his dad says, how big is that airplane? An airplane that can seat four, five, six hundred people. Wow, in one plane. And now, how busy it's really, really ginormous. It's big. It's unbelievably sized. And his dad then tells him, says, "How big is God?" And you know, if you're distant from God, and if you're one of those that I don't believe, and you're getting further and further back and away from God, and away from the Word of God and away from your faith in God and away from attendance to the house of God. And all of a sudden, God becomes that little speck way out there in the distance. And God is not really very big in your life. But when you get close to Him and you allow Him to draw, as the Bible says, if you'll draw nigh to God, what will He do? He will draw nigh unto you. And when you get closer and closer and closer to God, and you get close enough to God, God is the biggest thing in the world. He's the biggest thing in your life. And it's, it's very easy for you to understand uh, how big God is. And you know what? When you get close to God, you don't see the faults of all your brothers and sisters and those that are around you. When, when you get close to God, God is light. God is revealing. And when you get really, really personally, when you get close to God, God reveals, He turns the light on. And now you're not looking around, looking down your noses with folded arms and seeing the faults of all the people. You get close to God, all of a sudden you find yourself kind of like Adam and Eve. When sin came into their life and then God came into their presence, what did they do? They realized they were naked. We don't have any, any uh, thing to indicate before that time that they ever worried about being naked. The Bible says in the beginning they were naked and they were unashamed. But when sin came in their life, and then I don't know how long it was before God came and found them in the garden after they had sinned. They probably went on as if... As in any other day, they were naked and they were unashamed. But when God's presence came and spoke with them and he called out to them, they became ashamed, they became embarrassed. They got fig leaves and wove them together and tried to cover their nakedness because they got close to God and now their nakedness was revealed. The closer you get to God, the less you're going to say, I don't believe, the more you're going to say, I believe. The closer you get to God, the more you're going to realize your own inadequacies. Uh, I'm a preacher that stands behind the pulpit. And, and I, I'm sure others that have spoken uh, behind the pulpit would also say that sometimes under the anointing, sometimes when you're, you're speaking, that you say something that all of a sudden goes, woo, And you want to take your ecclesiastical robes and wrap them a little tighter around yourself because... Sometimes the Word of God will expose you. You begin to feel the chill bumps and the uh, blessings of God and, and then all of a sudden you, your mind goes and you feel a little bit of shame or a little bit of guilt about something you did or didn't do that you should have done. And when you get close to Him and get close to His presence, I don't care whether you're standing in the pulpit, you're playing music, you're sitting on the pew, When you get close to the presence of God, it reveals you and who you are. And how many times, Pastor, have we heard a preacher saying, I'm also preaching to myself. You know why they say that and why we say that? Because there's been many times that under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we're preaching and thoughts come and words come. And think, ooh, that kind of got on my own toes a little bit. That kind of gave me a couple lashes While I'm preaching the word of God, standing behind the pulpit does not make us exempt from getting close to God and God revealing himself to us. And not only revealing himself, exposing who we are in his presence. And sometimes the ecclesiastical robes that the Pharisee wore was not enough to contain the exposure of himself in the presence of God. And God looked from the ecclesiastical robed Pharisee and he looks to the other side and sees a sinner beating on his chest saying, God be merciful to me a sinner. And Jesus said, the sinner went away justified rather than the other. God's not looking for our accolades. He's not looking for how many titles we can hang on to our name or how many uh, times we can say, well, I've done this. I've preached to thousands and I've prayed for the sick and they've been healed and, and I've had accolades of various kinds. But God is saying, I'm looking for faithfulness. Faithfulness in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, on the pew, in the choir. Wherever I'm at, it really doesn't matter. God is going to reward, always has, and will always reward faithfulness. Many years ago, Brother Jim Larson, who now pastors in San Diego, California, was preaching a revival for us all the way back, I believe it was on 8th Street, at our original first building. But I remember a message we've always remembered and often referred to it. He talked about being, uh, when he was in school, he worked as a box boy at a grocery store. And he was, he, he, and he told the story of how, and I don't remember exactly, but I remember the essence of it, that, you know, his job was to box the groceries and help people out and maybe go out to the car and help an elderly lady or somebody uh, help them load their car. But he said there was one particular lady that when she came in, that it was all hands on board. She came in, she got her groceries, and and. Uh, he would take her out to her car and he would push the basket and he would open the door and he would put all of her groceries neatly inside and, and when she come in, it was all hands on board and you're going to really take care of her because she had been coming to that same grocery store year after year after year after year after year, after year. and then he preached to us about God takes care of regular customers. We've always remembered the title of that message that God takes care of. I, I quoted this last week. Somebody on Facebook was talking about something, and I just made the comment, God takes care of regular customers. If you know what it means to be faithful and consistent and walk with God, you're going you're gonna to have the attention of God whether you go through a storm in life or whether all is well. Either way, God will be there He'll rejoice with you in the victories, and he will, he will be there to hold your hand and to comfort you through times of sadness and problems in your life. But the scripture teaches us, and Jude urged us, earnestly contend. What are we contending for? The faith. And that's such a broad word, the faith. Oh, I believe, and I, I have faith. But it goes on to say, that was once delivered to God the saints. And sometimes it's easy for us because of the society we live in and what is normal and abnormal. Uh, we we contend for things and then uh, it's easy along the way to suddenly they start losing their shock. And things that one time we would have been just blown away from were shocked. I'll tell you one of them that's, that's uh, happening, it's before our eyes on a daily basis if you follow the news we have uh, a man contending for the President of the United States that if he were to get elected and I say God help us that that don't happen but if he he were to get elected we would have the first dude he calls him his husband I don't know what that means that if he got elected we would have the first woman president but a man, a man is running for president and the crazy thing is in a couple of the primary states that have already had elections, he was one of the top vote-getters in their state among the Democratic people. You know why? That would have been unheard of a number of years ago for that to have happened. But now it's become so much a part that the, the shop and the uh, uh, unbelievability of it now it becomes so common and um, among many circles you could stand up and say great things about that lifestyle and, and nobody really is going to shame you but boy today if you want to commit political suicide say something negative about transgenders or, or about homosexuality or whatever and, and all of a sudden, you're going to have a black on your name. And, and especially the, the cesspool of Hollywood and those that come out of there, they become so acceptant of so many things that are so wrong about the world and about life and about people that becomes common to them today that it's popular to bend and think about these crazy Things that are going on in our world because people lost their faith. And then there's a lot of faithful people. In other words, all the votes at this one uh, homosexual uh, presidential contender, there's a whole lot of folks that are not homosexual that are voting for him. Why? Because they've lost their faith. They're no longer contending for the faith that was one time delivered to the saints. And it'd be, it, would be, it would be noteworthy for all of us today to say uh, to understand that I need to realize that because in my mind, in my society, and things that have become common today does not mean that it's God has changed his mind about those things. I remember the day back in my youth that if a girl got pregnant out of wedlock, she was publicly, and I don't mean slammed, I just mean it was a shame to the entire public. And many times parents would take the, the child that had got pregnant out of life and send them off to a boarding school somewhere until the baby was born or whatever and, and uh, uh, having premarital sex and, and having a relationship, even having babies. And I remember one of the first... It was a movie star. I think her name was Mia or something like that. This is back. I'm dating myself and probably most of you don't know who I mean. But this was the first one that I noted that she was a movie star and she got pregnant out of wedlock wedlock and proudly had two babies without ever getting married. Had twins. And it was a shock to the world but she was a, a trailblazer for breaking out and making something that uh, Is not in, and if someone, uh, if that happens to a, a, a girl or to someone, I'm not, I'm not here to shame that. I'm just talking about the, the earnestly contending for the faith. That if it happens and someone made a mistake, we go on with life and all of us have made mistakes in our, our lives. But we go on with there and try to pick ourselves up and become, uh, straighten ourselves up and Morally check ourselves and and understand this is not the norm. This is not the way it should be. This is not the way it was one time delivered to the saints. And we need to earnestly contend for the sake. The thing that I want us to understand today is we don't want the abnormal spiritually. The spiritual abnormalities. We don't want it to become common. We don't want it to become, oh well, that was the past. Now it's no big deal anymore. And I can remember in my lifetime when the thought of a man and a woman living together outside of wedlock was just unheard of. And today it's common, it's just common, we don't hardly even think about it. I can remember in my home that uh, someone that was uh, living together, although they're already living together, whatever, relatives, I don't care who it was, if you come to my house... They did not share the same bedroom. I didn't open my house up. To, it, it was just, but, you know, as time goes on, all of a sudden, it, well, they're, maybe they didn't get the piece of paper, but they're, they're really married. And we just excuse it and go on with life. And I'm not picking at any of that stuff right now. I'm just saying, I want us to understand what I'm saying today is earnestly contend for the faith that was one time delivered to the saints. The fact that it has become normal, it has become okay, it's become I don't believe there's anything wrong with it, doesn't make it right. And Enoch was a man that was faithful to God and all the way many years later Jude uses him as an example to say we need to earnestly contend for the faith that was one time delivered to the saints. Somebody said it this way, never take down a fence. Until you know why it was put up. Sometimes we think, well, I don't know why the old folks thought this was so bad. Or I don't know why this was such a, a shame or a sin during their day. Be careful before you move the landmark. Because the scripture says, earnestly contend for the faith. There was a reason why the fence was put up. There's a re- reason why people of God avoided certain Amusements and certain things of the world. There was a reason behind it. Until you remember and know and study what the real reason was. Be careful when you move a fence. Be careful when the abnormal becomes normal in your life. There is a reason behind it. Uh, And we must understand that we earnestly contend for that. And we spread the true gospel. And the true gospel will defeat Heresy and things that would just be destructive. Uh, The Bible did not allow himself, Enoch, he walked with God. He did not allow himself to be dragged down by the degrading culture that he lived in. He lived in an era of time when debauchery and, and ugliness and immorality and all kinds of things were going on. But he did not allow himself to be dragged down that slippery slope to where those things become normal in his life. But he stayed faithful and God honored his faithful, faithfulness. The song, His Truth is Marching On. Truth does, not, does indeed march on. And wearing the boots of faithful men and women uh, that, that still can proclaim his truth is marching on in their everyday actions. I'm talking about faithfulness today, faithfulness that isn't the accolades of, of the prime time and the lights and, and uh, the, the praises of of the masses. But I'm talking about us being faithful that just simply says, you know what, I'm walking with Jesus, and I'm going to stay serving Him, and I'm gonna I'm I'm just going to be there. God, you can count on me. And, And I'm not changing to fit the culture and the styles of the world, but I'm going to walk with God. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Uh, Dramatic quotes can be made and pictures can be painted of Enoch just walking along. and, And I heard somebody say one time that he walked so close with God that finally God said, you're closer to my home than you are yours, so just come on home with me. All sounds good, but the point of the matter is, is he walked with God and he pleased God. He was faithful. He was translated that he would not see death. The believers in Corinth lived in a very wicked culture. So the Apostle Paul encouraged them to watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. It's 1 Corinthians 16 and 13. Watch. Stand fast. Sometimes you, you're climbing a mountain. You can get to the point that you're, you're huffing, you're puffing, and, and you can't go on. So what do you do? You, hopefully you're not sliding backwards down the hill, but you'll find a good place where you can get good footing and you stand and you're still and you catch your breath and get your wind back and kind of get your reserves up before you can go on again there's sometimes in our march with God that you're going to become winded and you're going to become tired and you're going to become burdened and in those times you just kind of spread your legs and get your feet planted in some good terra firma and, and just hang on, just stand, just be faithful and there will be a time to advance on but right now I don't want to lose ground so I'm going to hold on And not allow myself to be taken by the uh, slippery slopes of sin and be taken in the wrong direction. The believers in Corinth, Paul uh, was there to encourage them. Be faithful. Stand. It's a wicked culture all around you, but stand fast in the faith. Be brave. And I'm going to tell you something uh, anybody can float downstream. Anybody can just kind of go along with the crowd. But when you're in a crowd and someone is doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing, it really takes someone that's strong and courageous to say, mm, 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 Count me out. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to listen to that. And it takes somebody, anybody can just kind of <laughs> laugh with the crowd and go down the wrong path but for someone to have character to be able to say you know what no I'm gonna be faithful I'm gonna be faithful to God I'm gonna serve God and they walk with God Enoch was faithfully walked with God and was not the believers in Corinth lived in a, a society that uh, almost anything had become permissible but Paul said don't be guilty being overcome by that culture and going that direction. Uh, Enoch contended for the faith during his lifetime. We all also recognize Jude's extortion or ex- exhortation, excuse me, to earnestly contend for the faith as once delivered. But how do we emulate Enoch and fulfill Jude's, Jude's command? First, we can defend the faith with our words. We stand for truth. Not, not to the point of being an offense. I have someone that uh, I guess I'm friends with on Facebook because I see their post that the guy, the guy just gets under my skin because he's a one God, apostolic, but he constantly puts stuff on there that is demeaning to anybody that don't share the same faith, the same revelation of truth that we have. And I think it's a shame to be degrading. And He'll put stuff about Trinitarians, and he'll put stuff about uh, anybody that don't agree with the way he understands. And I might even agree with what he's saying, but to put it in such an ugly way and condemning way, all kinds of things flood my mind. Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Pride goeth before destruction. A haughty spirit God detest. And uh, contending for the faith does not mean that we are condemning and ugly to those that don't see the truth that God has revealed to us. But it does mean that we are stand up and will be faithful and, and we will preach the gospel and it don't mean preach the gospel behind a pulpit in our daily lives. That we will, we will speak up for God and speak up for the things of God. And we will contend for faith. The Bible says the agenda of the early churches, they went forth and preached everywhere. Even their enemies confessed, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. This wasn't preachers in the synagogue. This was people in the city, in the community that... Spread the good news of salvation that many could find. And, and the Bible says be in First Peter 3 and 15, it says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you. A reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should be ready and willing and able. 1 Peter three fifteen. To give an answer, uh, sometimes people are guilty of uh, when someone wants to know about uh, the oneness of the Godhead, or baptism in Jesus' name, or or why we we dress different, or why we do things or don't do things. Well, we'll ask the pastor, or maybe I can talk to him, or he can talk. We need to understand. We need to have a revelation. Of who Jesus Christ is. He's not some third person in the Trinity. He's not just Mary's baby. But Jesus Christ is a God of glory. That came down and created a body and dwelt among man. And ascended into the heaven promising that I will not leave you comfortless. But I will come to you. And he came back in the form of the Holy Ghost. And he dwells within us today. And when we call on the name of Jesus, we get them all. We get the God of glory, we get the Father, we get the Son, we get the Holy Ghost. When we, when we call on the name of Jesus or when we say, God help me, we're not singling out one of a triune Godhead. But we need to have an understanding of who Jesus Christ really is. And as the scripture says, we need to have an answer to every man that asketh the reason, the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Preaching truth is important but nothing speaks louder than our what? Our actions. You can say everything right with your words but somebody said it this way, said your actions speak so loud I can't hear what you say. Your actions drowned out what you say. It's, it's, it's like you know uh, grandpa and, and mom and dad and And this is more so when I was a kid, you know, you would hear him talk about, uh, you know, Grandpa's got his cigarette, and he's, son, don't ever smoke. What's son do? First chance he gets, about 10, 11, 12 years old, he's found a cigarette butt, or he found a cigarette, or he rolled his own, and he's out behind the barn. Why? Grandpa says, don't do it, son, don't do it, son. But what's son do? I want to be like my dad, my grandpa. And he didn't hear what grandpa said because grandpa's life showed him the way to go. God help us to understand that faithfulness, not just speaking of faithfulness, but actually being faithful, examples to those that watch us in a positive way. Hebrews 11 and 5 offers uh, perhaps the greatest commendation of Enoch's life. And explaining that Enoch was translated. And in the book of Hebrews it says, he had this testimony. Hebrews 11 and 5. He had this testimony. That he pleased God. Wow. Wow. He had this. Can we put that up on the screen? Uh, Hebrews 11 and 5, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. The Bible does not give us many details regarding Enoch's life. There's no indication that he gave astronomical offerings, or he preached prestigious conferences, or founded an educational institution. There's no record that he built hospitals, or orphanages, or dug wells in rural villages, or on another continent continent. All that is said of him is he walked with God. He was faithful and he pleased God. All that was said, he walked with God. No long list of great records broken and accomplishments made, but Genesis 5 and 22 through 24, the Bible says he walked with God. Nothing pleases God more than people who faithfully walk with him. We may never accomplish anything that impresses the world, but that is all right, provided that we're faithful and the end we please God. Enoch was faithful with, uh, when others were not. When others compromised, he failed to compromise. He, he was faithful even when the world around him grew increasingly wicked. He faithfully walked with God even when the judgment waited in the wings. Even when it cost him something, he still walked with God. Any could not walk with God or if he looked at the circumstances around him and if he couldn't walk with God in all these circumstances, he wasn't a true child of God. And if we can walk with God in our present age, if we walk with God, we'll have the same testimony at the end of our days. He or she pleased God. I, I want to close with a, a story, and these kind of stories always... Uh, bless me, but any leader, any pastor will tell you that we always appreciate when somebody can come by and drop a huge check in the offering plate. When somebody uh, can come by and bring an inspirational testimony or great message to the church. But evangelists come and go. And uh, I've, I've, been, I've been around folks, saints of God, that would make this huge check. And let's say one that comes to my mind is write a check for $4,000. And think, oh, well that's a great blessing. And it, and it is a blessing, always a blessing. But as a pastor, a long-term pastor, The ones that really, as the pastor already mentioned today when he's talking about keeping the lights on, the ones that really keep the lights on, keep the building warm, and keep this place a comfortable place for us to be are not someone that comes by and flashes a $4,000 check and then you don't hear from them for the next five years. But the ones that keep the lights on is those that are paying their tithe and their offerings. Every time they get a paycheck, they're paying their tithes and paying their offerings. And it may not be as flashing as big as somebody else's. It may be a welfare check. It may be a, a pension check. It may be that from someone that's struggling from week to week just to live, from paycheck to paycheck, but they're faithful with their tithes and offerings. And when it all comes down to it, that's the ones that keep the lights on. That's the ones that are faithful. That's the ones that that are the tremendous blessing to the kingdom of God because they're just there. They're accountable. They're they're faithful over and over, month after month, year after year. That's the ones at the end of the day that God says, there's a lot of things about them that could, could be said or not said, but the main thing is they were faithful and they pleased God. So any, any, any uh, leader will say the most powerful thing and the folks that follow them are folks that are faithful. Talented, talented, talented people who are inconsistent ultimately usually end up being replaced by someone who ast- understands faithfulness. It's amazing sometimes I've seen folks that they had tremendous talent, but they became inconsistent and unfaithful. And Someone that was a no-name. We've got people singing on the platform this morning that just a few years ago, who were they? They had talent, they had ability, and some of their talent and ability was raw. And it wasn't accomplished, but they just stayed in there and stayed faithful. And then all of a sudden, those with a flashy voice those with our prominent talents fade away and faithfulness comes but let me say this the 20th president of the United States was a man named James Garfield his name is not proclaimed as somebody so great but he went to college and had no money and he begged and got, a, got an agreement that he could be the janitor of the college to pay for his tuition. So he exchanged his daily contacts with the school of being there early. He rang the opening bell, but he had already been there for hours cleaning, after school was cleaning, and he became, then before long, he paid his way through college as the janitor. And then it was not too long, the janitor's job was changed and he was promoted, finally one day, to professor. And by the age of 26, he became the dean of the school. And then eventually, he was elected to lead the nation and move into the White House as the President of the United States. But he started by just being faithful. He started by coming early and staying late, the janitor of the whole college. But his way was paid through college by his hard work and his faithfulness. And then he ends up being the President of the United States. I love stories like that because it exemplifies to all of us the value of faithfulness. Let's stand. Pastor.
1: God bless you today. Amen. What a word we heard from the Lord. I think it'd be fitting we stepped out of our pew and just kind of lined this front with a prayer that's prayed. God, I want to please you. I want my life to please you. I want my home to please you. Come on, filter out where you're at and let's line this front. Let's lift our voices and our hearts. Let's ask God, God, search my heart. Search the cracks and crevices within. God, I want to please you. do I want to be pleasing to you in my actions and my thoughts and my words. Oh, God,
0: create in me,
1: God, a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Come on, that's it. God, I want to be faithful faithful to your kingdom, not my kingdom but God, your kingdom my you not my desires but God, your desires not my will but God, thy will and be done my life you have oh I want to please good. you God so good. I want to spend time with you I want to have a relationship with able, you hallelujah I, I want to stand before you one day to hear those words from you, well done, thy good and, and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Oh God, I want to please you. I want to please you, God. And all my life, You've been so good. So good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every breath that I am able, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will see. Of the Make me in your image, God. God. Let me shine forth your glory. And all Let me shine forth you your life. God, for. you've been good to me. You've been good to my family. And all my God, life you have I want to give it back good, to you. So, in Jesus, name. help us, God. Every breath help I us to understand where you brought us from. Help us I to understand what you've done for us, God. Of the oh, we want to be faithful, God. God, to you. Faithful to your kingdom. Thy kingdom come.
0: Thy my will my life be done. If you
1: have been faithful. Hallelujah. my life you have been Oh, I love you, Jesus. I can't change the past, but God, today. I'm changing my future. I'm going to be faithful to you, God. Faithful I to you. Jesus, of goodness God. Of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a word from God that we heard. Enoch walked with God. And Enoch pleased God. And God took him. And he had a son by the name of Methuselah. And if you look that up, he's the oldest man. To have ever lived. His daddy was faithful. His daddy pleased God. And God blessed his son. With 969 years of life. But all that was said of Methuselah. Was he lived and he died. I don't want to just live. I want to live for God. I want to please God because there's coming a day where God says in his word that many will come and say I did this in your name I did that in your name I prophesied, I preached, I performed miracles and God is going to say depart from me ye worker of iniquity I know you not you never spent time with me you were not faithful to me you got wrapped up in the cares of this life. Oh God, let me not get wrapped up with the cares of this life. But let me be faithful. Let me endure. Because the Bible said, this race is not one to the fastest or to the swiftest, but he that endures unto the end. Because one of these days, God will open up the Lamb's book of life and will look at us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking forward to, aren't you? Lift your hands and voices one more time. God, we love you. Help us, God, to be faithful. Help us, God, to put you first, first in everything that we do. Help us to exemplify your word, where your word said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. God, let us put you first I pray you bless our hands and bless our feet and bless our homes and generations to come. And let us put you first. In Jesus' name, let us be faithful. God, we give you praise. Amen. Please, God, and your life would be blessed. Find two or three people, love on somebody.